Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Folly Coffee Podcast. If you haven't done so already, I ask that real quick here, you just pause, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and if you've liked any of the previous episodes or this episode, please give us that five-star rating. It helps us greatly. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Live. Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 81 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. Then never get it sold. <laughs> First episode in the new Folly Coffee Podcast studio slash Folly Coffee Hot Sauce headquarters. I feel like in the background, I can already hear a difference. I might need to work on that. But we have windows, which is nice. It's nice to have a little bit of natural light. I'm here with Kamal Mohammed for the second time on the Folly Coffee Podcast. Two, two, two. Because the last time I had you on, I was like, let's talk Nashville Coop. Yep. And then I was like, well, how'd you get to Nashville Coop? And then all of a sudden, it's founding one of the founders of Uptown Food Truck Fair, which mm-hmm. is now one of the biggest food truck fairs, probably the biggest one in Minnesota, at least yeah. probably the region. Yeah. And then you go on to Juice Spot and then Nashville Coop and yeah. uh, uh, Love You Cookie, which we were just talking about on the way in, which I didn't right. even know we didn't even talk about on the last time that. Yeah. I feel like you've just got these little side hustles and then you're just like, oh, yeah, I guess we just have distribution all across the Twin Cities and the, yeah. and the state and the region. And then and then out of nowhere, I get an email from Jesse. It's like, hey, uh, we need cold brew at this new spot I'm working at. Mm-hmm. Uh, your name was brought up and we've we've worked together in the past with cold brew. Like, could we figure out if we can get it working here? And I was like, oh, what's the place? And she's like, oh, it's called Stepchild. It's in Minneapolis. Uh, and then she mentioned your name. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. You're founding a restaurant that just launched called Stepchild. Absolutely. How are you managing your time right now between all of these things? Because so I'm looking at like, I'm, I'm sure your given week is not typical. Yeah. There's no typical week. But between launching Stepchild, you've got Nashville Coop still rocking and rolling. Love You Cookie seems to be exploding right now. How are you managing your time? All these different things. Yeah. So, um you know, I think it sounds like cliche, but it's truly about the right team. So when I look at, for example, Love You Cookie, um, I brought on uh, Sar. It was actually his wife, Sarah, who's a baker. And um, he actually, he dropped out of being a lawyer for a while. He quit and just came on full time, you know, helped uh get the company i mean did a lot of heavy lifting on the sales side and he was like i'm having the time of my life i didn't know it's like why why like why didn't you move back sooner why didn't we do you know so he was on the law side and kind of just trotting along and so when we started doing love you cookie you can kind of just see just how much more excited he was and just how much of a natural. So I think for a lot of people that want to go, at first you need to know what you're doing and you need to be able to do it yourself and execute. But at some point in order to scale, you have to have the knack to see talent and and be able to see talent in people um, and put them in the right positions and they're going to be able to do wonders even beyond what you can do. 
How did Love You Cookie didn't even start? Because we didn't even touch on this in the last episode. And I yeah. have to imagine it was at least in the works. I didn't know about it at the time, but now I see it everywhere. What, yeah. like, what's the story behind Love You Cookie? So I, when I was living out in Manhattan, there was this cookie company. Um, it was Levain. They just made these delicious cookies, you know. And so when I came back to Minneapolis, I was like, man, it's a pandemic. Everyone's just kind of sitting around. I'm like, I'm tired of watching Netflix. So I was trying to fill my time as much as possible. And I was like, well, since every – it's it felt like there was a movie I watched once where um, they were able to kind of stop time and uh, everyone was essentially like stopped in their tracks in the middle of a grocery store. Last year kind of felt like that. And so I was like, well, okay, I kind of feel like life has given me this opening window to be like, here's your opportunity. You can you can kind of stop in your tracks or um, you can do something. And I was trying to fill every hour as much as possible. Um, and so I was trying to replicate this cookie and I'm not a baker and I kept on failing and failing. And so while hanging out with Sar and his family, I noticed that his wife was just this amazing baker. And I was like, um, she doesn't, she's not really into business. And so I didn't even propose it as a business thing. I was just like, I have a little challenge for you. And she's like, cool, I'll try it. And she tried it the first few times and it didn't work out, which then made me feel better. Cause I was like, okay, this thing's actually a lot more difficult than it seems. Um, and as soon as she cracked it and it was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and we developed our own recipes, uh, that kind of lit a fire under him to now he's like, for example, like, he reached out to Kowalski's and they were just like, we already have our own bakery. We don't, we don't want more cookies. And I was like, just let it go. You know, they, they don't deserve the cookies. <laughs> um, but he wouldn't let it go. And he's like, I, if you try the cookie and you don't like it, okay. But I cannot let you not try our cookie. There's like, it's just not fair. And so the amount of persistence he had on the situation, um, and now they're Kowalski's, you know, and, and, hundred percent credit to him because he had that in him. And so when I look back, I'm like, this was the right partner. This was the right person to bring on. Um, and that, so if there isn't any credit on my end, it's a little bit of the idea and bringing the right people on, but it's truly been, you know, Sar and Sarah and, and the penny magic design team with, uh, uh, Aaron Banks in there uh, leading that company who've just come together and created uh, this little monster that is now difficult to even keep up with. Well, it should be noted that I think that when you talk about cookies in general, it's probably like, well, how the heck did you get somebody to bring in a cookie if they have their own bakery and this and that? Was the cookie that is now Love You Cookie, is that the kind of style you had in mind going into it that you're like, this is what I'm going for based on what I've tasted in Manhattan before? Yeah. This is what we're aiming for? Because when you look at it, like, it looks very different. It's very a really thick cookie. Yeah. And when you break it in half, just the amount of ingredients and chocolate you can right. smash into that thing, it's just like unlike any other cookie. Yeah, it's like a Juicy Lucy, but it's a cookie. You know, it's just, it's so, it's just filled. And, um... In essence, we can call it Love You Cookie because you, you can actually share it. A lot of people don't, um, but it's one of those. And we came out with like a double chocolate peanut butter that's just amazing too. So uh, 
Yeah, it's it's just funny. I love coming on your podcast because we always go off on different tangents. Because there's there's no there's no rule, right? Like you'll I'll plan out my week, and I have to think. Okay, here's my plan for tomorrow. But I also I've gotten now to the point of realizing that plan is gonna go. I don't know if I can curse on the show. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna go to shit, right? Yeah. And so, how do you execute your plan? Plus, at the same time, handle all the things that break, you know, so refrigerators are breaking, freezers are breaking, cars go down, employees don't show up to work. Um, there's just a million things that can go wrong and they do go wrong. And if they all don't go wrong today, they're going to go wrong. You know, they're going to just come. And so you have to be able to juggle both and be like, I got to do my plan because I have a plan. And I also have to be nimble enough to handle the things that are being thrown your way. Yeah, and I so. guess like any any time any time the day hits nine AM I go. I just assume the second <laughs> the clock hits nine AM, the plans I have in place are not gonna be how the rest of this day goes. And that's just yeah. generally how it goes. And what I find impressive about, uh, about what you've been able to do is I think a lot of people who have restaurants or a lot of people who have food brands, like me for example, is mm-hmm. that that's kind of their lane. Right. But the diverse like offerings that you manage and operate, whether it be food truck fair to juice spot which Mm -hmm. is more of almost like a food tech company to starting natural coop within food trucks which is his own lane and then opening it as a brick and mortar with great success and all of a sudden you've got a cpg product with love you cookie right and then all of a sudden stepchild comes out of nowhere right and we were discussing kind of the original concept of stepchild and i was just immediately into it the space is awesome it's in a really high traffic location and we touched a lot about this on the last time we spoke but looking at kind of what you're doing and say, what are people already doing and where are the gaps? Right. And that is kind of how I see stepchild is that you're going, what gaps are not being filled? And it's like a pretty ballsy move during a pandemic to go, this is going to be a sit in type of place. Right. We do not want this to be a grab and go coffee spot in the morning or a carry out fast casual, like Nashville coop is in the afternoon and evening. Yeah. How did you come to that? Because I look at Nashville Coop and you go, this place is blowing up as what I would kind of consider fast casual, like grab and go food. And you're like, all right, I've got a restaurant that's blowing up fast casual. I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to take time, resources and effort into something that is the polar opposite of what is succeeding. How do you start that thought process? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, you have to do what you're interested in. You know, it it has to be something that you're passionate about because- it's going to take a lot of work. So I have a hard time doing things that are lukewarm um, and be like, well, yeah, of course we have to do coffee to go because all these other people do coffee to go. But I'm like, there's enough people that are doing coffee to go. Who is who is serving the, the fringes on, on the spectrum? And that's where I think a lot of the opportunity lies. So you 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 swim against the stream and that's a lot of times where the gold is so um it does take a lot more work Um, for example we have the only um living ceiling that i know of um from a hydroponic aeroponic system so um we have plants that are draped from our ceilings that are growing that is a self-contained system, you know, you might see this in greenhouses and it failed time and time and time again. And there's a lot of times where we almost felt like we wanted to quit 
but um, the the designer that we brought on, uh, Mark, uh, he didn't want to quit on it. Um, and he even brought in the U of M and figured out, oh, there was a, a, a plant virus in it called Pythium. And so finally... That would have been my first guess. It's yeah. cl- classic Pythium <laughs> in my yeah, hydroponic yeah, self-contained yeah, living ceiling. And so finally, because we, like, we just couldn't figure it out. And so they did a lab test. Um, and I look back, I'm like, dude, he was the right person for the job because he didn't give up on it. He was the one that when everyone else was like, we can't figure this thing out. It's been months. We've wasted so much money on it. And because he stuck with it, you know, we have something special. And so truly, again, it goes back to you want to put the right people in the bus and get out of their way, you know, and, and if you have that ability, um, you can work on quite a few things at the same time. Um, I never try to own a majority of anything that I'm doing because then I I feel like then I need to do not like majority of the work, but that means that I haven't figured out the right partners on the team. So I think as Americans, we, we, we look at basketball where like a LeBron James on a team can take a team like the Cavaliers who on one year were their worst. He left the Miami, he came back in and then they won. Whereas in, I think when it comes to business, it's more like soccer. You know, you could pay a star millions of dollars and your team is not going to do that well if everybody else is below average because everybody else on the team has to set up that star player. So when you're passing the ball from one person to the other to the other, if it doesn't get to your star player, he's just out there, like, not make, you know. So you want to think of your team like a you know a soccer team you want to get a good amount of like above average and, and talented people and you step back and go okay we put together the right team um the passes are going to work out in order for us to score um you know and and so that's that's how I look at it it's it's truly a team thing. And now what you're doing is just what the Brooklyn Nets are doing, where you just bring everybody in. You, <laughs> right. You, you bring yeah. in Harden, you bring in, what was it, CP3? Is CP3 over there right now? Uh, no, no. Uh, I know, what's his Blake name? Griffin Blake Griffin is going about to get signed. Right. They've got KD. So that's what you're doing now, is you just right. go, oh, now we have a team that's just all-star players. Right. You know, it's uh, it, it feels like, you know, you, you hear about uh, Rockefeller and Jay-Z, and, and they go on and, you know, they sign talented people, and they go, okay, yeah, this this person is... Um, has what it takes. And so um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that want to get get out of just being entrepreneurs and actually having businesses that scale is you have to have the knack to um, see talent in people, even sometimes when they don't see it in themselves. Uh, And then because you see once they get into that position, uh, if you if you guessed right, you know, they illuminate um, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of time founders uh, feel like they need to do everything to either prove themselves or for accountability purposes or sometimes ego driven. And it's almost like you've created a set of processes mm-hmm. that allow you the ability to jump across different channels and to do different styles of business. But because your processes and your philosophy and building great teams and allowing every and getting out of the way, which is such a big thing, allows you to hop across these different channels with success. Yeah. And I always think like CPG minded because that's what we do. 
I, I always say I don't like to do anything where you could take somebody else's logo and right. put it on what we're doing, right. and then you wouldn't know the difference. And coffee companies are the worst. I mean, I, was, yeah. I saw an espresso commercial today, and I was like, you could literally take that commercial, <laughs> put anybody else's name at the end, and it would make so We source the finest beans. Uh, we mm. roast carefully, and it's mm. the best cup of coffee. And when you walk into Nashville Coop, the artwork, the style of the food, mm-hmm. the unique take on Nashville hot chicken. When you walk into Stepchild, right, living ceiling already. That's literally there's nowhere else that this could possibly be besides there. Yeah, you've got the mural that Jesse painted. She did an amazing work. With there's that. nowhere else that that could possibly be. Right, the menu. You start to add all these pieces together, and during a time where competition is so high, mm-hmm. that is increasingly important and. Sometimes someone might look at the hydroponic living ceiling and be like, yeah, it's really cool, but do we need it? You know, right. we've tried 10 different times and it's not working. Right. Should we, <laughs> most people would not even think, maybe we should reach out to the U of M to see if they have anybody that could help us grow this living ceiling. Right. You know, in a pandemic year, maybe they got some time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> but you've created these things that are just mm-hmm. distinctly one thing. Right. And that, that cannot be overstated, especially when you've got so many options and you have increased access to find things there's more and more recommendation websites and influencers and you can literally just google anything and i mean i'm I'm grabbing dinner tonight and we're like what do you want tacos and it's not like we just go what's nearby you're right you're googling every single taco place you can find and Mm -hmm. going from there right and now you've created these things that's like that's the only place to get these yeah and and that's where i think a lot of people are trying to not lose you know and it's like how do I not lose versus how do I create something that's going to make other people go, wow, you know, and, and that's, that's, I feel privileged enough to play that game instead. Um, and it comes with, it comes with its own risk, but, um, when you're playing that game, it makes it easier to wake up in the morning and be like, I am tired. I am working to solve all these problems but it's so worth it because you get the feedback whether it's you know people are going on google reviews or just writing you and going i'm in love with this place like you know we already have regulars coming in at stepchild and it's and it's crazy and i'm like already we've been open for a week so um i'm excited you know and i and that's what i wanted to do is introduce new concepts the the siphon coffee to minneapolis i'm like we love coffee in Minneapolis. Like, how is no one doing siphon coffee in Minneapolis? Um, and so, you know, seeing people come in and, you know, it, it takes more work to make siphon coffee. There's more uh, labor and training that goes into it. But when I look at the reaction from customers and I look at the reaction uh, from people who are reviewing us, I'm like, this is what it was about. You know, th- it, you know, this is what they came for. You know, and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I posted a picture of the siphon on our story just from when I went the second time. Yeah. Uh, and already three people messaged like, where is this? Is this in the Twin Cities? I need to find this. I, I'll yeah. go way out of my way for a siphon coffee. And that's like what it's all about is trying to create things that you can only go here to get this. You can only right. get this experience here. And so to go over kind of, because uh, I went to Stepchild for dinner. Right. Absolutely amazing. Thank and you, if I'm being completely honest, anytime someone I know personally starts a new venture, I'm in the back of my head going, God, I really hope this is actually good. 
good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I really hope this is good. Yeah. I, I, I'll be supportive either way, but I was blown away by the menu. Man, and there was no, like, like, no consistent, like, predictable menu item. Right. And so that's why I want to dig into how you formed the concept and chose the menu because you've got a spot now that's open from morning to night. You've got yeah. breakfast program. You've got a dinner program. You've right. got siphon coffee and pour over only, no espresso bar, right. no carry out coffee, right. which again is a bit of a move. If right. somebody goes, we're going to have a coffee program, but not all the things that somebody would probably come in and order off the top of their head. Yeah. How do you start? With a menu like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so starting off with the the coffee side of things, um, you know, I was uh, listening to, um, I listened to a lot of uh, audiobooks. So the one I'm listening to now is uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great book. And there's so many tidbits that you learn. And one of the things that really uh, resonated with me is when the author was talking about how our nose plays such a, an integral role in being able to experience food and taste. You know, that's why when you get sick, you can't really taste food because a major component, I mean, your nose picks up like 100x what your tongue can pick up. And I think we undervalue our nose's role. So when you go and drink to go coffee, so like, I'm like, okay, you you go to Spy House or you go to... um, you know, any of these like more upscale coffee spots, the fact that the top, there's a top cover is taking away your experience of drinking this, you know, I'm like, okay, if you go to McDonald's and get a dollar coffee versus that, you know, I feel like it's robbing us of that experience. And I understand because we're, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, why we do that. Um, But that's why I I was just really adamant about, I want this to be a full experience. And when we make, for example, a siphon coffee, we bring the ground beans and put it in front of you so you could smell it while the, the water's getting hot um, and getting up to temperature so that you can smell the beans, go through that full experience. Like that experience is, is, you know, when, when you're, for some people, when they're doing restaurants, they, they feel like they're museum create, you know, um, curators. And I feel like that's what we're trying to do with Stepchild is that art piece of it. I mean, like we want this to be curated and we, we don't want you to know what you're going to get. So we're doing burrito tacos, but our burrito tacos, we don't use any of the, you know, Mexican spices. We're using all Ethiopian spices. So you're like, your mind is kind of expecting, I want it to taste a certain way, but it, it's a step removed from its origin. You're like, what, why, you know, what's going on here, but it's delicious. So the, the the attention to detail of not just what is on the menu, but how are we going to prepare it and present it is something I noticed. So I've only been to a few places that even have siphon coffee. And usually they're like, we only serve it. It's a coffee place and we only serve it between one and 6 PM when Mm. it's super slow and we can actually do it. Mm -hmm. And when you do it, it is brought to your table. It is brought to where you're sitting. And this, (laughs) this might not be the comparison you want, but you know, the place where they prepare the guacamole right in front of you. Yeah. 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 It's probably the same recipe that every other place making their own guacamole uses and charges you what five bucks for but yeah. when they make it in front of you yeah like the anticipation and the excitement of seeing what goes into it like it 
elevates that experience of just like the guacamole. You know, yeah. And, I, and that's really what you're doing with like the siphon coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been one place where it's like the mixologist brings a cart over and makes that cocktail in front of you. And right. just to see how it's prepared makes you appreciate so much more what you're about to consume. Plus siphon just looks really cool at the end of it. You've got the open, right. you've got the open flame heating the water and you see it and it's kind of looks like a science experiment. And you, and if you've never seen it before, you're like, wait, how is this working? It's right. There's no machinery, but it's being elevated up and then down. And right. that was such a subtle detail that again, it's like, right. Is it more cumbersome to bring it to the table? Definitely. Right. You were now running back and forth to make sure the timing on it is right. But one thing I noticed as I was eating dinner is someone ordered the coffee. Mm-hmm. When you bring it to them, it immediately began a conversation about the coffee, about the brewing method, about what goes into it. Right. And it creates that experience that nobody's ever going to order siphon coffee to go. Right, exactly. Um, and that experience is the difference between what makes it memorable and not, you know. And so for us, um, the experience is at the center of it. So the fact that you're sitting there um, – if I see people on their phones, I'm like, I did something wrong. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't provide that escape that I was planning to do, you know? And so, um, you know, so to, to veer off a little bit, you know, going from the coffee into the food, um, when I was doing the food, um, you know, everyone has a little bit of a, this imposter syndrome. I've never opened up an elevated restaurant before you know um obviously uh nashville coop um owned by my family um that was a little bit of an easier reach because it was like it's fast casual and it's like we're doing a few items it's like boom 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 that is a different kind of art you know in itself um but this is you know this is this is definitely true art um and so what i did is like okay i if i'm feeling a bit anxious about it i need to bring somebody else in. So I went on LinkedIn, posted looking for an executive chef, went through a few people and I ran across, um, this profile and her name is Jessica Kack. Um, previously she was an executive chef at, um, Barbette. Um, she worked at Alma. Um, and I, I was just like, I, I have a feeling this is the one. And so I reached out to her, nothing, went on a different platform, reach out, nothing. Went on a different platform. I emailed her, hit her up on Instagram, hit her up on LinkedIn, nothing, nothing, nothing. And so finally it's like, I'm just going to call her. And so she was like, okay. And, and she told me actually after she came on, she, she almost didn't come to the meeting. Um, and she did, and we hit it off right away. And I was like, this, this is my person. So she came on and in the last month, I've learned more about fine dining than it's it's changed the way I think about the restaurant industry. Like now I know what to expect when I walk into a, a good restaurant. So last night I went to uh, one of the, I would say, top five restaurants in the Twin Cities. Um, I've been there before. I've always loved it. But now being on this side of it um that like or some like that magic or allure kind of went away because um now I'm on that side of the table a little bit you know what I mean so um it it's just crazy because 
just bringing on that person has not only elevated our restaurant, but she's also my teacher. You know what I mean? I, I don't have this ego where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm the owner. You know, you're, you know, I'm like, I'm bringing you on so you can teach me. I'm like, I'm excited to be your sous chef, you know? Um, and in that time I've been able to, on my end, be like, Oh, I realize I can do like one thing better than you. I'm like, I'm happy to, you know, so it's just kind of cool to have that, that relationship. And so if it's a, if it's about the art, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, is this from you or is this about you? And then if it becomes about you, I think that's where there's a limitation. But if it's from you, if it's, if it's truly like you can get out of your own way, you know, and you can let this, this baby flourish and grow and be like, I want what's best for this thing. And if that means putting somebody else in the leadership positions and getting out of the way, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's a question I always come back to, to kind of like center myself. I'm like, is this about me? And that's why I actually wanted them to come on and do the interview. Um, But, you know, they've just been working so hard and just need some time off. So I was like, cool. I'll, I love coming here anyway, so I'll, I'll do it. So Yeah, we were going to do the four-person podcast for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I committed to it, and I was like, oh, I've never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a loose plan in place that we're yeah. going to be able to operate, but then we did have technical difficulties of switching in between this space and the new space with uh, Wi-Fi being changed and all that. And Yeah, we would just have to like move the mic back and forth. Oh, and no, I, I had a four-mic setup. Right oh, yeah. Ago, and then the, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole move threw a wrench in our plans. And, yeah. Um, how has it been since launch? Uh, because I, I'm curious, upon opening a new restaurant, especially during the pandemic, how do you get the word out? Yeah, so, you know, I, I reach out to um, a lot of the food influencers. Um, I'm so thankful for, you know, this sounds cliche or so, like, so Instagram uh, culture, you know, I'm sure, like, you know, older generations would be like, oh, like, look at the millennials. But um, I'm so thankful for a lot of these different um, food bloggers in the Twin Cities because uh, I think, you know, I give them credit for keeping a lot of restaurants alive in 2020. You know, they went out, um, they tried foods, they blogged about it, they told their audience, and they drove people in. And so when we started, I was like, I don't want to reach out to them yet because I know they bring the masses. I want to get things right done first and then reach out to them. And so slowly they've been coming in. Um, we just got an article in the star tribune that launched today. Um, and then, you know, they were kind of making fun of the like oh, step travel at the eye, you know, and, and, um, and they, you know, they showed us a lot of love. And so, uh, it starts to trickle in. Um, but you also want to see, um, do you have a product market fit? So it doesn't matter if it's a restaurant or, um, you know, cookies that CPG, uh, product market fit. I think we talked about this last time. A we little definitely bit too. did. Um, it, are people leaving your restaurant and bringing in other people? You know, are they, are they becoming your, you know, your, your marketing arm? There's no better marketing arm um, than people and in order for them to be part of your marketing arm, um, because they had such a great experience, we love sharing experiences. We're, we're social animals. You have to create the right ambiance and the right product. So 
I think it's a it's it's a lot like baking. It's the right process that goes into place, um, and and essentially a lot of the marketing comes to you. And what's it? it it's looking at the stepchild space. It so many different things could be someone's favorite thing about the space. I I saw a bunch of posts of people just like the vibe in here is dope. Like right. I'm here for the vibe. <laughs> like and right. th- that is insane that we're in a world where. A great vibe is something our people are gonna literally pursue with like right. a ravenous pursuit of just like I need any good vibes I can have in my life. And you right. walk in, you've got the record player, you've got music playing, you've got the hydroponic plants going, the mural on the back wall, right. awesome light, like the lighting, the wood paneling, the open ceiling, and you're just like this space isn't. And you wouldn't realize that it's like this kind of skinny long right. space because of how everything is set up. Yeah, and then you've got the unique menu items that I'm sure you'll find people bringing other people in just for like, oh, you got to see the live ceiling, especially as that thing grows. Right. Oh, the vibe here is awesome. I saw you just launched a happy hour. So yeah, the attention to detail on every different level is so important for that word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's how I look at it. When I talk about folly is Mm -hmm. I pretend in my head that no one's ever tried it before right and you have to imagine that this is the first time every person's first time ever trying it right whether it's an online order whether it's a wholesale customer ordering what you're sending them to serve their customers whether it's the customer service interaction you're having i treat every interaction as if it's the first time anybody's ever heard of it Mm. because that word of mouth is so important that you need everybody to have an amazing experience the first time. And I love this quote and I try to think about it as much as possible Mm -hmm. is that how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. And alluding to the fine dining aspect, Mm. having worked in the beer industry, obviously not so much fine dining (laughs) when I'm calling in like bars and restaurants that are just to sell beer, but you start to notice the little things about places. Mm -hmm. And now I find myself pointing things out to people that they go, you're overthinking it. I go, trust me. Right. If they're, dipping the nozzle of the tap into the beer while they're pouring it there are so many things happening here that i worry about like small small stuff like that right you know what i mean and and so when you're talking about attention to detail that it's like do we really need this ceiling do we need Mm -hmm. that you go Mm -hmm. someone who's really in tune with dining is going to notice these things and then i think people are more intuitive than you think and so oh do i have does this have to be exactly like this and just talking to jesse for a bit uh, she was Mm. showing me some of the potential future plans yeah which i was like that's the way to do it is it's already an awesome space right and here you are a week after launch is when i came right and she's like here's what it's going to look like in the future right i'm like that attention to detail of not just looking at the space and going it's good right People seem to be liking it. Let's keep yeah. it this way. Yeah. So tell me about that. How do you approach that? Because that was, uh, I just had Luke on from Craft and Crew. Yeah. Uh, he will actually have been the previous episode. Nice. And Craft and Crew, if you're familiar with their group of restaurants, mm-hmm. I think they are masters at updating at the perfect time. Nice. They have good, like they have profitable restaurants that are doing well mm-hmm. and then they update them and then you're like, they explode again. Right. So how do you approach that having just launched that you're like, all right, yeah. now we're putting more plans in place to make the space even better. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm glad. So I've never heard of craft and crew, but now I'm excited to like try them out. Oh, so they, this craft and crew hospitality, they have like Stanley's the how they have oh. pub eight one nine and Hopkins. So they, awesome. they've got all these different concepts yeah. and they're really, really good at that. Yeah, so even, it's funny, not having known of that group, but you explaining um, that group to me um, is 
that tells me a lot about them. And and what t- what I understand is that they're looking at their jobs not as a right but as a privilege. You know, it, it is a privilege for somebody to take their hard-earned cash and spend it on your product, especially in a world where there's so much competition on our side of things. You know, um, there's so many restaurants. There's so many different coffee uh, in the world. So it's like, why you? You know, and, and you, when, you know, and, and I've noticed sometimes when whenever, whether it's like a musician or somebody starts to gain some notoriety, like the ego gets a little bit more inflated and you feel like, well, of course it's me. So of course they're going to come check it out, you know? And you get a quick reality check. It's like, nah, it's people only like you if, if they see that you're truly about your craft and you're willing to um, humbly cater to them and understand that it's a privilege. So if it's like, man, I'm tired, man, this is this, man, it's that. It's like, you don't have to do it. You know, it's it's not a right. It's a privilege. So I think knowing that it is a privilege and knowing that people are going out of their way to spend their limited time and their hard-earned income um, puts you in a position to be like, I just thank you so much and believe in my art. And I want to push the envelope even further. You you love my last album? I got some more to show you because that that's like, that's the fuel I needed to keep going. So, um and then, yeah, you again, you and you have people around you that um, have, you know, fine arts degrees like Jesse, who um, has such a creative mind, you know. And so, you know, I'll, I'll even have business partners be like, well, you know, it's so who are you bringing in? I'm just like, trust me on this. Like they, they know what they're doing, you know. And so um, that's uh, that's the exciting part. It's like learning from the people that you're working with to be like wow, you're surprising me. This is, this is awesome. So, um, don't ever forget. It's a privilege, not a right. I love hearing you put it like that. We just launched our barrel aged coffee last week and Mm -hmm. the launch went really well. Yeah. And still to this day, I have this feeling that I go, I can't believe people are spending their money on what we're doing. (laughs) I think it's amazing and people seem to like it, but like you do have to treat those transactions Mm -hmm. as you go, you're choosing to spend your money, which the way I like to think of money is not just as like the dollars, but you go, well, people have to take time and effort to make money. So in, in a way they're taking a part of their life and investing into what you're doing on yeah. a very transactional level. But I'm looking at this going, I can't believe there are strangers buying what we're doing. And yeah. this is so crazy. And it really does feel like that. And it, it when you have that mindset, mm-hmm. it helps get you through those really tired days Absolutely, that you can look at customers and just be like, I assume they're coming through because we have customers every day. So right. why would I think any differently of this other customer that's coming through? Right. Or when I'm packaging for like the seventh hour, wrapping every single mug <laughs> into a box that like I did not plan properly on like how well to wrap them and it took forever. Mm-hmm. But I'm going, looking at every single packaging and trying to picture that going out to a person in their home and them enjoying that and the fact that they went out of their way to purchase it. It sounds like you're thinking the same way about people walking through the door and spending their hard-earned money and walking out of there, glad they did it. Right. Because there is no worse (laughs) feeling than being excited for a meal or excited about something. And even sometimes if it just meets your expectations, you're like, I'm not upset. 
Like yeah. it, it was good. I, right. you know, I spent this much. I feel like it was worth that much. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Versus like spending money and then leaving and being like, wow, I'm so happy I did that. Exactly. And that's where you go out and tell people about it. I, right. I, I've said this on previous episode, but the best way I like to put it is you want people to either like love or hate what you're doing. Yeah, you cannot exactly. land in the middle. So right. there will be people that walk in like, I want a cup to go. And they go, we don't do that. And they're going right. to be like, well, screw you. I hate you. And then here's a bad review for you. Right. But on the other side, there are going to be people with a deep appreciation of what you're doing for the four here coffee down to the glassware. Exactly. I mean, everything you're doing is down to the last detail. The, yeah. The, the plates it's served on, everything was like, I haven't seen any of these one things anywhere else. And yeah. I think that's what you're really good at across yeah. all of Thank your you. businesses yeah. is looking at that blue ocean and going, mm-hmm. what aren't people doing? And we had the conversation a couple of weeks before you opened that I was like, God, I love the way you think about stuff because yeah. you're, you were talking about that. And I think a lot of people would react like, dude, you have to have lattes. You yeah. have to have to go at least black coffee to go. Just get a drip machine. It's not that hard. Right. And you're saying what you said is you said, am I going to do a latte better than Spy House? Right. No. Am I going to do a cappuccino better than Dogwood? Right. No. Right. And maybe I could do it as well as them. Yeah. But here's our coffee companies purely focus on making sure that it's, that's at its best. Mm. So you go, well, what aren't they serving? You go, right. siphon coffee is the number one. And then we'll also offer pour over, which by the way, like on the low, kind of went away in the Twin Cities. Right. Like you can't really find it anymore. I'm sure part right. of it was the pandemic, but even pre-pandemic, I kind of noticed that you go, there's not a lot of places to be able to get it. And right. if you can find it, it's kind of like... You know, right? We don't want you to order that because it's a kind of annoying. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's um the one of the main reasons why it's like I would go out and I would be like these places that I respect I can't even get pour over and they're like well it's because of the pandemic and I'm like I get it I get it um but it's not just the pandemic and it's, it's also it was pre pand I'm telling you like yeah. I noticed it sliding off menus yeah and so that's where I'm like what would I want? You know? And that's where it's like, you, 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 you have to understand like what you're interested into and being like, well, there's a lot of places that I've gone to where I'm like, I just, why can't I just get a decent breakfast sandwich? You know, why can't I just, um, be able to sit here and, and essentially smell the coffee, you know, like that's and and I felt like that was truly important for our brand. Um, and I, you know, and I was going to stick to that because I was like, what I'm going to stick to, I know I can, you know, deliver exceptionally well. That you can do it better than anyone else. Yeah. And, and, and we're willing to do it. Um, and that's, that's what makes it exciting. And one of the things that I, I also, you know, the, the management team, um, you know, giving credit to our, both of our executive chef and our GM are, you know, are both women, which I learned not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, they're like, that's pretty rare in the restaurant industry. I was like, being new to the restaurant industry, you know, coming more from like the tech operations side and then coming into the restaurant industry, I, a lot of times I feel like an imposter syndrome, but I kind of like that I didn't go through the standard ranks um, to be like, well, you know, you got to start as a dishwasher, you got to do this, and you got to do that. I did that in different ways, you know, um, you know, growing up, I used to drive Uber, you know, like, so it's not like I haven't rolled up my sleeves. I've worked since I was 14 years old. Um, but I haven't done like work your way up into the restaurant industry. Like most people have, 
And I think a little bit of that ignorance has, you know, luckily paid off and being like, yeah, well, they're both amazing at what they do. Why, why wouldn't I, you know, do this? So, um, and them coming on, you know, we've talked about like, what, what else do we want to do differently? Um, you know, there might be days where the food is not exactly the best. You know, there might be days where, you know, the, the coffee beans, we've held on to it. Um, and it's, you know, it's starting to get a bit stale things. People do make mistakes, but one thing that we cannot make a mistake on is when you come in there, you need to be treated like royalty. Uh, we need to treat you like you're the only customer in the restaurant as much as possible. You know, that, that level of service has to maintain consistency. And the way that we do that is when we start off, we're like, everyone's going to get paid $15 an hour, period. You know, that's, we're going to bring in the, we're going to invest, we're going to bring in the best. Um, and we're going to make sure that they feel comfortable. They're not stressed when they come to work. Even when it's slow, they're going to make, um, you know, a decent wage. We're not going to wait for the government or the city to tell us to start doing that. We're just going to do it. Um, and by doing that, we've been able to bring on some really cool people. And I want to continue to do that. It, it was interesting when you mentioned that the, the combination of an executive chef and GM, uh, both being women, is a rarity. And I was thinking about it. And I go, well, th- th- it's true. It is mm-hmm. a rarity. And kind of thinking into why. And I think it kind of clicked just now that one advantage you have of mm-hmm. coming from outside the restaurant industry and not having been the person that started at the bottom and worked your way up mm-hmm. is when you start in a system, you become inherently tied to the politics of that system. Right. And whether you like it or not, the restaurant industry is extremely political in terms of not like Republican Democrat, but right. political, I mean, in the sense of like, mm-hmm. all right, this person helped me here. So if I have yeah. an opportunity, I got to help them. And then this person helped me here. So I got to bring up that person. And right. in an industry that is pretty male dominated, when you go back to like the nineties and two thousands, the culture seems to be shifting now. Right. But by coming from outside the industry, you don't have those ties where you say, well, I feel obligated to have this person be the GM and have this person be the chef because of what's happened in my past that you're making that decision based on just who's the best. Right. Without any of those like the decisions of peer pressure or yeah. where your pa- background has been or anything along that side. Right. And that is another advantage of coming from outside of an industry is you're not tied to anything in your past of like, this is how it's been done. This is how I I've learned anything outside of this is outside my comfort zone. The advantage you have is everything's outside your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and, and to play off that, you know, I, I realize a lot of, you know, in this day and age, um, there's no question that we hear a lot of the isms, you know, it's the racisms or, or sexism. So in particular, the, what I've noticed is as a society, we're, we're kind of going through this battle of, being like, well, I'm not sexist, but you you don't have to be sexist by choice. And I, I don't see a lot of people being sexist by choice, but um, a, a system can be designed to be sexist without even trying. So you have to then try to not be sexist, not you personally, but the design of what's happening and who's getting moved up the ranks. And so looking at things from a 10,000 foot level, um, I'm more concerned not about personal on that side from when I'm in a leadership position. Um, 
it's more of challenging leaders to look at um, fairness and what's happening based on the design of the, you know, and so like how you pointed out, it's like, oh, you helped me out, so I'm going to help you out. And so it goes on like that and, and just like the cycle doesn't break. Um, and it just, you know, so anytime I see anything that gets thrown off by, you know, when you look at like perfect macroeconomics, right? It's like the world is 50% male, 50% female, let's just say hypothetically. And then you look at a certain industry and you're like, oh, it's so how it, if it's not close to that median, then there's something feels off. Um, and it doesn't have to be by this like inherent choice. Like you woke up this morning, I'm like, I'm going to be sexist. You know, it's like it can happen by design and you just like feed into that design because you're like, well, I'm just here to get what's mine, you know? Um, and that's what, and that's, um, that, that level of consciousness, um, sometimes, um, is required if, or it's easier to see it when you're visiting, you know, it's like you go to a different country and like somebody could be there and your friend can be living in Tokyo for five years and, and everything could be just normal to him or her. And you show up and it's like a completely different world for you. And you're like, dude, like, did you see that? And he goes, Oh man, I've lived here for so long. Like I just, I've never noticed that because you need this like fresh set of eyes. So, um, that's where I feel lucky to come in and be like, Oh, like, um, this is foreign to me. Um, and for that reason, I can see it a little bit differently. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I, I found personally, uh, cause I have a, I have just like a really weird random group of friends and they're, right. they, I was kind of thinking I overthink everything. Uh, <laughs> so I call it a flock. It's good for business. Interesting in the personal life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, I try to be like, what is it that it just like attracts me to people or makes me want to talk to people or whatever it is. And I think the underlying theme for me is just people who work hard and are passionate. Right. It's like, if you have those two combination of things, I don't care what it's about. Right. Like we're going to get along. Yeah. And so that's kind of the things I, I try to think about when I'm like thinking about people or thinking about potential customers or partners is like, right. would this be somebody I want to partner with? Because yeah. it's just like, I only want to surround myself that are passionate and hardworking. And yeah. on the flip side, I have found this major blind spot of like, I have a very low tolerance for people who are like passionless yeah. and don't work. Yeah. And like, that is something I try to think about too. That's like, yeah. okay, you can't judge just on this either, but right. it is important to know. Yeah. And I think that is shown in your restaurant and in your groups is you find these hardworking people mm-hmm. you that are passionate and just right. even sales. So some people, sales is a very, I think, negatively viewed profession because right. it's like, oh, the used car salesman is trying to get me to buy something that they're going to make money and it's going to screw me over later. When... To me, it's trying to find people that you go, my product would work so well with what you're doing. Or let's take Love You Cookie at Kowalski's. That they're like, we have a bakery. I go, I know you do, but just taste the thing. Yeah. And so you have a sales rep over at Love You Cookie that is passionate and hardworking. Right. So passionate about the product that when Kowalski says, no, we have cookies, he goes, no, but you haven't tasted ours. Right, right. And so it's in any position, not just like the the chef, not just this is finding people that are passionate and hardworking about what they're doing. Mm. And then I think also you've stated it pretty much yourself. So it's awesome. You're aware on it, mm-hmm. but it's well put actually. I th- <laughs> yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I think what you're really good at is stepping aside. Mm-hmm. 
my goal in business is to find people, and this is not something I knew right away, but now know, is I want to find people who are passionate and hardworking at one thing that they're better at me at. Exactly. And then letting them know that you're way better at, at this than me. Yeah. And once you have that realization, this thing's going to take off more than what you could have done yourself. Right, exactly. And then you, and you say, um, I, I'm going to support you. I'm going to get out of the way and like you let me know, you know, what you need from me, you know, so. And that, that right there is very important. Yeah. Let me know what you need right. versus I'm going to tell you how I want you to do this. Exactly. And so with the coffee on, uh, on the folly side or, uh, the cold brew on the Filtera side, I tell Jeff, I tell Brandon, I go, if it's coffee related, that's you. Right. Tell me what you need to make this coffee better, but right. I will not tell you which beans to buy. I will yeah. not tell you how to roast it. I will not influence anything on that side right all i really am is a sales rep for these businesses essentially at this point point. and right. my job is to make sure that we have customers buying this coffee and for finding sure. partners and it's funny when you said the love you cookie thing because that is me to a t where right. you get the no and i think that's where most people stop is they go right. darn kowalski's doesn't want our cookies that's a bummer let's yeah. go find the next place and yeah go, no, no 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 this is the right product fit Right. I'm looking at what you carry. I'm looking at our product. I'm looking at your customers. And I go, I know you do. And this is like a total salesperson. Yeah. Go, I know you don't know it yet. Yeah. But this is the right product. Trust me on this one. And yeah. I've said this to more personal conversations, but I, I have these places in mind. I'm like, yeah, I just don't know. It's a good fit yet. I right. promise you, like, yeah. we'll make this work. Just bring it in. And yeah. you need those people. And you find people in every position within all your different companies. You have the processes in place so that it's, it makes mm. more sense even just in this conversation how things continue to work is because you have the processes, you have the trust, and then you find passionate, hardworking people specific to what their role is. Right. And when you have all those things in place, it's not going to fail. Exactly. It's, and that's, you know, it's, uh, you, you, you said it so well. Um, and the only thing I'll even add to that is like, it doesn't mean that you need to give up everything to the people that you're bringing in what you just need to do when you're bringing those people in is that you need to align on your North star. Be like, I'm trying to get to, you know, Mars. And if they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not the moon. We're trying to get to Mars. And they're like, I agree with you. We're going to get to Mars together. And you're like, well, I can bring in these resources, but they might be the better person to drive that spaceship to Mars. Right. But, you're both going to Mars. And that's the thing. That's what you want. Like, if you're the person that's like, well, I have to be the person that gets, you know, the, the blue ribbon because we got to, you know, I'm going to get to Mars. Like, if I'm running, if I'm, if I'm in a, if I'm in a race and um, I could either be the last person who gets the baton or they're like, oh, you, you can get Usain Bolt on your team. And he's going to be the last person and the crowd will cheer for him. And I'm like, so we're winning. Yeah, we're winning. Great. I will hand off the baton whenever the baton needs to be handed off because we both have the same goal and that's to win. Um, and so if when you're bringing people on, if they align with your goals and you know, they have specific skill sets in what they do, they might be the better driver or they may be the better engineer. They may be the better, whatever great that's what you won you know you, you won before you even know it 
And I think it was from the book Good to Great. I, I think I referenced this in like the past three episodes, but this is yeah. a different concept from the same book. Is it seems most businesses operate as here's a bus that's going to a destination. Right. Everybody hop on. Then anytime that you get slightly off destination, it's stressful. It's high anxiety. It's more important about the people you have on the bus. Right. And creating that, that is, as long as you have the right people on the bus, it's not as important the exact direction it's going. But if right. you have the right people on the bus and they all know what they're doing, right, it's going to create a much better everything. Right. And that's, you know, it's it, the, the kind of mission, uh, right. kind of going to Mars, being your mission. It's one of the things that early on in business, I was like, a mission statement's not important. Mm. Uh, or just like having a mission isn't important because it's two of us. Why, right. why do, like we talk every day. Why would we need a mission? Right. But then as we sat down and started digging into it, we created this mission statement that's like, it's pretty simple, but small, subtle things about it are very important because it helps you make your decisions. So like our first thing at Folly is we work hard. Mm -hmm. And that's important because like if anything's priority above that, it's going to fall by the wayside. Right. And then after that, it's that we roast the best, we roast the best coffee. Right. And you know, that's a very subjective term. And so we leave it that way. Right. And then after that is we like to have fun. Yeah. And if you flipped any one of those three things around, things are going to get out of whack. Right. And so having a team that's all on the same page about how we're doing things, where we're trying to go versus like, oh, I have a boss that's telling me as I show up every day, what I have to do today. Right, and that starts to kind of suck the life out of you, and um, having so death by a thousand cuts at that point. Yeah, yeah. and there is uh, job satisfaction is this interesting thing that I've I've done some personal research into because I kind of am creating my own job. So right. as I'm making decisions, <laughs> I'm going. There was a point where I'm like, I've kind of created a job that I don't like right now, mm. and it changed how I started making decisions. And one of the big things about job satisfaction is is it meaningful work. Mm. That is way above pay right? in terms of happiness right? is are you doing meaningful work? Right. If I show up to stepchild and I know you're going to tell me exactly what I'm doing all day, every day, mm. that's not meaningful work. I'm right. just doing the stuff that you didn't want to do. Exactly. If I'm someone that here's your role, I need you to take ownership on this and do the best you can. And if it's something that they're passionate about, Mm. that's going to be a very fulfilling role versus the flip side. Right. Absolutely. Um, And it it kind of touches back on, uh, so do you know Reed Hastings is? Mm -mm. Uh, The CEO of Netflix. And he, you know, they they say, um, you know, we're not a family, we're a team. And we're not just any team, we're a professional team. So when the 2008 crash happened, um, they were like, well, who is our best people? Let's double pay them. Let's cut everybody else. Um, and let's double down also on streaming in 2007, 2008. Like, they, you know, they start off doing the little CDs and, and the little... Um, I had that uh, service in college. You know? <laughs> you have to return the DVD to get the next one. Yeah. And I was and, like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at the time, is it was, you know, revolutionary compared to Blockbuster. But, you know, they they did that. And I, like, there's some people who I, like, kind of keep in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, what what recent interviews has he done? And the most recent one I read, um, you know, they're like, how do you know that you're successful and he's like i only make two decisions a month at netflix i'm trying to get down to one 
you know, and he's like, that's how good of a team I've put together. And so just seeing how much um, he takes pride in the team that he's put together, that's, I very much align with his sentiment on that. It's that I'm trying to get down to making one decision a month. And um, even if I get down, if I get down to zero, it's like, that's the goal, you know, because now you won. Now you have this tree that's growing without you making any personal decisions outside of putting together the right team and setting the North star. Um, and you know, that's, I think I, one of the things I, I hope to see as we get, you know, in this next 10 years and we're coming out of this pandemic, um, is to stop glorifying the Elon Musk's of the world and Mark Zuckerberg's of the world in the sense of being trying to give them credit for like Facebook wouldn't be what it what what it is if uh, Mark didn't poach Sheryl Sandberg from Google and ask her to help um, monetize the company. Like he's like, I have this thing. I just don't know how to make money off of it. It was all Sheryl Sandberg, you know, and she, you know, got to give credit where credit is due. She did that. She turned, um, you know, this 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 g- cool crazy thing at the time into a monster. Um, but when people think Facebook, they think Mark Zuckerberg, you know. Um, and so I think as we go into this next, as entrepreneurship is is this sexy thing, as we go into this next thing, uh, in this next decade, um, you know, if if there's any tidbit that I want uh, your audience to take from this is that you really have to be uh, a person that knows how to pick a good team and set your ego aside to realize that you want people that are a lot better than you leading the team um, to get to that North star. I, I think that's a great place to end. And I, I completely agree with you that like dissolving ego is Mm -hmm. such a hard thing to do sometimes, especially in business, because there are a lot of things that can go into an ego and it can, when you start, especially when you start to have success can be a very, or even if something's going poorly, it can really negatively affect your ego or if things going really positively, it can be really easy to let that kind of start to get a big head about things. But when you have no ego involved in it, it makes decisions much easier. Everyone around you is going to be happier. Everyone else is going to have more fulfilling work and, you can see how it all starts to kind of uh, align. Yeah, hundred percent. And and the ego is is it's a lot like meditation. You have to chip away at it every day, you know. And it's never fully going to go away. There's there is a healthy balance of ego, um, but it, it's it's if you're using it as fuel is one thing. If it's starting to use you, um, then it becomes the limitation. So uh, yeah, I, I love coming on here, man. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Um, and it even gives me a chance to like unpack some of my thoughts, you know what I mean? It almost like, um, feels like a therapy session for, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's a good time. You're, you're doing amazing things. Maybe I got to change the name entrepreneur therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for coming yeah, on. Thank I'll you so much. Like this I awesome. do every other episode and say, have a nice day. <laughs>